Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 28 of Casual Watch Talk. Nearly hitting 30. I can't believe we did 25, Chris, but know, um, right? how, how have you been? Swinging through them. Pretty good. Hunkered down, mask on, ready to ready to podcast. And we are joined again by the channel's, I would say, resident military expert, but all-rounder, <laughs> TJ. How have you been? Uh, thanks. Uh, well, it's 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 a slog, but um, I'm in the same place as everyone, I'm sure. But um, I keep moving forward, and uh, I like to take my mind off things now and then. And This is helping me out, so thank you. It's amazing, isn't it, that I don't know. I mean, I've mentioned this before. I've been obsessing about watches as I've been getting more stressed with work. So then when I'm buying them, I'm like, did I buy this? Because, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I'm making good decisions, but hey. Yeah, yeah. guaranteed. No, there's I. Yeah, I look, <laughs> I'm looking back at my purchasing decisions over the last my Amazon uh, went over my Amazon, like stuff that's hit the credit card over the last month. And my wife was like, what's this from Amazon? What's this from Amazon? What's it? And I was like, when did I buy saw blades? <laughs> just like just <laughs> random stuff. And like, oh, oh yeah, that that was a good decision. <laughs> we bought a used jet ski. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, good purchasing decisions. Yeah, so, there you, go. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, actually, I think it was a good decision. I was right. against it, but uh, yeah. it's been a sanity checker for us. That's and good. Uh, so you know, it's it, all the rules are out the window. Yeah, and you can't be sad on a jet ski. You cannot frown while riding a jet ski. So no, that's <laughs> that's true. So thumbs up. <laughs> so should we kick this off? Should we do our watch obsessions then? And now that we've just been talking about our uh, obsessions online, TJ, why don't you kick it off? Have you had a a watch obsession this week? Yeah, I sure have. So for me, and uh, and I don't know if others have heard of this. It's a micro brand, so it shouldn't be a shocker because I, I follow those a lot. Uh, but it's uh, a brand called Rue, a uh, French word for wheel, and it's the TPS watch series, uh, race-inspired, essentially a, a $300 Speedmaster quartz watch, you know, in, in that vein. And, and it uh, the cheese with the Speedmaster cheese for me in that it looks elegant but toolish all at once. It's It's a delicate balance, but I think they did an amazing job with the design of it. And it's uh, unlike a lot of a lot of the mecha quartz that don't have running seconds. This one has them at six o'clock, so they've corrected that pet peeve. So I won't have to cover that one. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it's it's just really impeccable, and I can't believe it's under three hundred dollars. So that's the the trigger that I've just been waiting, you know, very itchy to pull during COVID. Uh, but maybe the jet ski bumped me out of buying that. Uh, but um, and I still have my Speedmaster, but long term, I, I think you know the cost is probably going to be overwhelming. I'm saving it for my son, so eventually, I think when I shelve it, it's nice to know that there'll be something affordable yet still high quality and looking great. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah, Rue is Rue is a very cool brand. I um, I a very uh, design focused brand. They they love the marriage of motorsports and watches, um, and that that clean sort of. Uh, clean modern design that they go for they have a they have not only the watch the rue watch on instagram but they have their sort of their design uh, instagram which i follow as well i follow both of them they're they're great and i uh yeah i picked up a strap from them 
because uh, just the design was clean, this gray with like little dots on it and just super clean design. But their stuff, their stuff looks very cool always. Yeah, it's it. They kind of evolved. I remember there's another brand like Autodromo, isn't there? That they've right. done those vintage inspired. But I think some of their designs are a bit probably divide opinion. I think some of them are one of them I liked, but the others I think wasn't crazy about them. Whereas Rue, at least they have that. Um, nice design language, but also they're like modest about it as well. <laughs> Chris, do you want to? How's what's your watch obsession this week? Um, so this week, um, I was looking at the watch box, and Sam, I think you're rubbing off on me because I, I was like, could I get rid of one of these? Do I have to keep all of these? Which which one of these do I not need anymore? And so. A serious look at the stuff in the watch box at the collection. I don't know anything more than that, but I will say uh, I've moved some stuff around in my watch box, and I like I I hold up the three watch, the four watch, you know, the minimal watch collection. I sort of hold that up a little bit more on a pedestal now. You minimalist folk that can get it down to one or two. And I I think I've got it down to just four that I could live with forever. And, you know, three-hander would be the Zen, my Bell & Ross GMT, my uh, Zen Bell & Ross Chronograph, and then my Solar G-Shock. Did I say three? I meant four. <laughs> so... It's already gone over. <laughs> You're trying. That's a... Right, right, right. Exactly. And then... And then for the fans, no, just kidding, just kidding. But I mean that, like, so, so I said, like, could that be it for me? Could I do that? But then I've got that '90s, and speaking of Rue, like that '90s Bell and Ross 144 that's in mint condition, and I don't want to scratch it up, and I don't want to mess it up, and so I'm starting to be, I'm like, oh, I can't, and I have a little like sparkle on it already, and I, oh, so, so like I said, you're you're affecting my watch decisions but that was my definitely my obsession this week is uh looking at the looking was, at the watch box and... like the opposite of a watch obsession it was actually right. obsessing about reducing your watches right like i'm obsessing about this too much is i'd clean clean this out you know cleaning the cleaning the brain out cleaning the cleaning the room out so to speak <laughs> yeah yeah well mine's i mean i've had a i've had such a weird week with watches for a start Uncle Seiko released a new flat link bracelet and he sent me two Speedmasters. So I saw now that, I... yeah. <laughs> yes. Great video. Yeah, it's when people keep saying, Oh, do you not miss your Speedmaster? I'm like, Well, if if when I go to Bob's watches they didn't have like the limited edition fiftieth anniversary, <laughs> if Uncle Seiko wasn't sending me them in the post, then <laughs> I might have a minute like to forget that I ever owned one. Right. But that but he did a he did a really good job of that. He, they're definitely they're vintage inspired, so they're not the solid. They're, they're definitely a homage to those vintage straps, and I think his kind of dedication and his just willingness to try stuff with with watch uh, bracelets, yeah, it's to be commended. I think he's doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's done. He's done like you. You almost like renamed him, <laughs> like because he's done it definitely. Like he's known in Seiko for all of the. For all of the vintage stuff, for all the for all the bracelets and the straps that you can't sort of get that were, you know, issued on those 60s, 70s Seikos, 70s Seikos. Um, now kind of moving over and doing it for 
Omega Speedmaster. Yeah, and it, it, TJ, thanks for the uh, pictures where you featured your US-Mexico Holzer, is it? I couldn't work out the pronunciation it is, yeah. of it. I prefer that one, I think, to the one that you just reviewed, but I'm kind of torn, uh, really debating it. Uh, maybe I'm just trying to save $89, but I, I, I do like those, uh, the all brush finish flat link ones that he just came up with. But but I think that US-Mexico one is is probably my favorite of all of them. It's, it's just so perfect. That are included in the review were awesome. Thanks for that. Well, two other things. Somebody sent me one of those, um, a company sent me one of those DIY watch kits. Oh, yeah. Where they send you all of the component pieces, your strap, the case, the bezel, the dial, the hand, the rehole, all in separate little containers in, in like a zip thing. I actually filmed the whole me creating it. Oh, okay. But, but Chris, I mean, getting those hands on, I mean, that's yeah. the worst bit of it. Everything yeah. else is just slotting it in like legos kind right. of thing but those hands my... yeah i don't know how they could make it easier though especially that second hand and, and they actually made a video dedicated to just putting the second hand on but no matter what you do yeah yeah that's yeah it's um so that it is two so the uh let's see the hole in the dial is two mil so the hour hand is is half of that so it's probably a mil and then the minute hand is another, you know, 0.25 smaller. <laughs> and then the second hand, yeah, we're you're down to uh, tens of millimeters there, trying to get that, trying to get on that little post. Yeah, yeah. Front, front and what they what they did as well, which was pretty cool, is they sent you two sets of the hands. Oh, okay. they, I think they just assume that you're gonna. They're uh, like, yeah, you're gonna grub, you're gonna grub this one up. I think the second hand is still dragging a little bit on the minute hand of this, so. But I'll do a full review of it. The kit was good. It came in record time. I think it's a great little thing to do just for yourself to see whether, because I think the kits are only, I don't know whether $200 or $300. I'll, I'll do a review, but it, you get a nice sense of accomplishment that you've got a watch that you can made yourself a little bit, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but So nice. that was good. And then my true watch obsession, I know I'm, uh, I'm doing like a, a three for one here. Was, yeah. I bought another Breitling P1. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of, I had my Breitling B1, and I do like it a lot. <laughs> the dial, I just couldn't. I'm, I'm cooped up inside, social distancing, and right. I'm an obsessing about a watch that was made in 1997. Actually, today, I was just thinking, like, I had, like, I was looking at a bunch of watches, and then I was just like, I just want someone else's opinion on this to know if I'm not insane. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> like, I saw that B1 of yours peeking on your Omega Uncle Seiko video. So you can yes. see it there on the left. Yeah. I don't know if I commented on it, but yeah. it was neat to see it saying yeah. hello to everyone. Yeah. yeah, and then I originally when Chris Chris saw the first cut of that, it wasn't in frame because for mm. any eagle-eyed viewers, you'll see that I left my keyboard on top of the books. So there's like keyboard and then two books. I was like, oh, I can't believe I did that. So then I cropped it, but then Chris was just like, "I'll just, just, I didn't, just yeah, I didn't it. notice it. I just saw the watch and I was like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> He's like keyboard. It's all good. This one is a gray dial. Oh, okay. Not blue, but gray. It's a gray dial. Yes, yeah. so it's a nice. It's got a nice color to it, and I got it for a decent. I got it for a decent price. Sort of negotiated the guy down. I've contacted a few people about restoring the dial, and they're they're kind of like, look, there's no, there's no real yeah. chance of doing it. That even if you, you, there's no way you could paint that helicopter back on the dial. I mean, I, sh I need to put a picture on the Casual Watch Talk Facebook group. Um. But there's no way you could, because it, it, it was, it must have been like a decal or, or um, not like a screen print. 
how yeah, else would you do it yeah oh. but something that's on the surface of it like a yeah like it probably like a, a water slide or a de- yeah like an actual decal yeah yeah so it's it, i don't know what i'm gonna do with the, the other one yet i don't know okay but it's not a so this is not a so this is not a backup this is gonna be a this potential is this possibly a replacement but uh yeah i feel kind of in i don't know i feel like i'm custodian of this watch that's got some RAF history but I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. Anyway, we could go on about this all day. We'll, we'll, jump into, we'll jump into the news anyway. So first story, I'll get you both kind of comment on this was this. I saw this on Watch Pro before, and I'm not I'm not really sure what they're thinking. But Rupert Murdoch, very famous for News Corp, Fox News. It looks like he's trying to buy a stake in the company MCH that owns Basel World, or at least the Basel World event, and it looks like there's a few other people that are trying to get in there as well. So I'm wondering whether, what do you think? Do you think? It, well, first of all, do you think it's got any value, and do you think they could ever spin it back up again? Hmm. Maybe he's maybe he's going for a buy low, sell high. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. You know, how much is it worth, and how much are the? I mean, is this? You know, this is all post you know, post-Basel stuff, so it would be settled down, the price would be settled down, I assume. I mean, there still might be a place for Basel World because there's been nothing that... I mean, Breitling did a great virtual event, but nobody else has really... There's not been... Nobody's kind of, like, pivoted and seized the day, have they, this year, to put on a kind of virtual watch show that a lot of people were interested in, so... I thought, and I thought the... The big players there would would do, and I know we talked about this, you know, probably ten episodes ago. But I thought the big players were going to pull an Apple computer sort of thing and say, and say like, why, why be a bezel when we can just have our own show and like just Rolex would just have our own show or you know LVMH exactly. or whatever, you know, just that's the LVMH show and lines out the block and we'll just control everything. So I really expected that because you're right; it really hasn't. No one's really like jumped up to like to like dig into that, and and I haven't. Of course, I th- you know, of course, uh, you know, the pandemic putting a big damper on everything. So, uh, but but not even in the works, which is interesting. I would think they would have to change, not just for the pandemic, but just in general, right? The formula probably needs to change. So maybe he's got a vision for some reinvented. Basel world that's completely different. But it sounds like the industry just needs something different. Yeah, because if he just resurrects the old, I, I don't know if that works anymore. Yeah, and MCH Group looks like it's just that. I mean, it's just an event management group. I mean, it just like, but they're doing. Uh, let's see, they're doing four hundred and ninety-three Swiss. What is that number? <laughs> I'm not CH, doing that conversion. C- yeah, Swiss CHF. Bank. Yeah, yeah Swiss I'm not doing that conversion in my head, but uh, uh, yeah, they seem to be doing very well. But. Um, uh, they have that Miami Beach and Hong Kong show as well. So I know we've heard more maybe from some stuff coming out of Miami Beach and some stuff coming out of Hong Kong. So I don't know. Maybe that was maybe the shift is there. So next news story, we've got three today. So the next story is, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Timex, they're knocking out these vintage watches like nobody's business. <laughs> um, and they've they've made a vintage watch that is essentially it looks like that Casio, the the um you know the standard the standard Casio. But they've made it like a Pac-Man limited edition, so it's got a Pac-Man all the way around the outside. Now when I read this, I was hoping do you remember those watches from the nineties where you could play games on them? 
They were oh, they were yeah. like the LCD mm-hmm. ones. Yep, yep. I'm sure they could have made it play Pac-Man or at least have some some tie-in other than just the printing yeah. on the outside of the dial. Well, if they don't have the game, then it's a huge miss, I think. I know, yeah. exactly. Right. Or, or at least have, uh, when the alarm goes off, there's like a Pac-Man symbol or something. Right. Because Casio used to be great at doing stuff like that, didn't they? I think there was like a uh, Donkey Kong watch and things like that. So yeah, that's they interesting. Really missed out. Yeah, they really missed out. I don't know on gold, that... Whew, I don't know on gold. That one does. I, I don't know what the damn yeah, is there. <laughs> I am out. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, we'll quickly move on. And then, of course, you can't go on a Facebook group. You can't go on Instagram with. I'm half saying this from jealousy, but I am amazed that Tudor released. If anybody's not heard, are they, people are calling it the Blue Bay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's the Blue, Blue uh, Tudor Black Bay 58. Yeah. And everybody seems to have one. Yep. Uh, p- reviewers have one they announced it and there was reviews coming out and we're not talking like the biggest channel tgv or teddy balbazar jenna ellie she had one and she kind of called them out like three days before i was watching her she had like a quick video where she had gotten a hold of the price list for uh that was released for july and like three days before and they just, it was just this, the generic price list with all of the model numbers, all the um, references, and all the prices. Da, 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 da. And yeah, she, they, they apparently, her and her husband just scanned down it and then like noticed that they had a new reference and a new serial number for a new Black Bay. And then they derived that, you know, they basically assumed that it was going to be blue. And they made a guess and they did a Photoshop and everything. And like not, I think it was maybe three days, maybe two days later, she had one. This was predictable. I mean, I thought they might just change the bezel, but it does mean, I think, that that Tudor will never do the Tudor Submariner Snowflake, will they? Yeah. Because they've... First, for me, uh, it reminds me of the Tudor Submariner. I would love to own that watch in a modern style in a you know in a with modern silicone seals and modern water resistance etc cool watch i'll start with that but uh secondarily i feel like i feel like the pandemic sort of played in their favor because normally you would get these people you know where they where they'd ship the where they do a shipment of watches it's like the new game console that shows up at the at the mall where somebody's in the back of of a best buy and they're like yeah well there's 700 copies of the new rockstar game so do you want to know what it looks like you know what i mean um so i i feel like because no one was at the mall no one was at retail i feel like they just sort of quietly ship these out because i mean everyone has them i mean like our local mall in orange county was like come on down and pick one up we have you know a bunch of them well that's the same mall that i was on a nine month waiting list for the original black bay 58 i was on that long i just cancelled it i just cancelled it in the end but uh, have you seen have you seen it tj what do you think of it well i agree with chris as far as uh so i I, um at my last uh, job in hawaii uh there was a young uh sailor there and he had an original uh tutor sub from probably the 60s or 70s that his grandfather gave him and you know he's not a watch guy but he just loved it because and i just told him i said you this is amazing it was an amazing condition you know had the i think three six and nine are uh kind of a dagger looking triangle really sharp right but then the other indices are circles so it's just super classic look and uh and you know and i've seen homages in uh, micro brands that make them but Sometimes I just wonder why Rolex and Tudor won't just make their old stuff. It seems to be very popular around other brands to go and 
reissue something older, but think about the most prized Rolex, the mill sub, or these old Tudor subs. Just make it the same way, same look, <laughs> right. same everything, just new. Give me a 40 millimeter Tudor snowflake or, you know, I mean, they're just incredible watches. And when I look at the vintage versions, they're so amazing. But that said, I think the the Blue Bay is 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 terrific. I mean, I, a lot of respect for it. it, it it's beautiful. Um, I, I like black dials myself, but you can't deny that it's it's really, really nice. I pref still prefer the original one because it had the gilt hands. And I think the gilt hands and the gilt indices really make it made it pop. But what one of the frustrating things for me is ev not only has everyone got one, but everyone's got one with the metal bracelet. And that was a real crime that I think of Tudor to not have as many because I had to get mine on the the NATO strap and it ended up really that was one of the reasons I sold it. I was really annoyed about the fact that I, the metal bracelet was eight hundred dollars. I right. made no bones about you bought the fact. It, right, and had you bought it with it, it would have been what two hundred more. Or something yeah, it was. Like that, it was. Even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. It was nominal, really. And then I'd never seen one. I'd never seen one with a bracelet in a store. I'd only ever seen it with the NATO or the leather strap on it. Yeah, no. It's, I, I mean, it, it definitely for me. And we're having this conversation over on the Facebook group. It's. It's fascinating for me just to watch sort of just to see how that like that whole thing, you know, a lot of times we pontificate on here and we say like, oh, well, this is important. And like, oh, everyone's not no one's going to buy that because it's not Sapphire or cost certification or like this movement or in-house movements yeah. like we were talking about in-house movements the other day. And it's like. Yeah, it's uh, it comes down to the fact they made a blue one, so we all wanted a blue one, <laughs> like it just you know blue one with the bracelet, and just apparently that's what we wanted, and that's what everybody gets. But I don't know if Tudor is one of those brands that's listening to its customers. I guess it's it's definitely listening to its sales. Or at least they're not going limited edition, and you can't get one or that's nine true. month waiting list. If people want them, they're available, which. To me, it makes sense when you want to make money. <laughs> People want your product, you provide it, and the number is needed, right? Well, this is that's an interesting point you made. I mean, that beautiful tag the other day that we saw that was a limited edition is Rolex, as far as I can remember, they don't do limited editions. And, and everyone wants to try and emulate Rolex, but nobody plays by that rap playbook i don't understand why tag would make a limited edition version of a watch that is going to be incredibly popular. Like, why... Why would you limit the audience? I, I've never understood this at all. It's better to sell a hundred thousand at four grand instead of a hundred at six grand. Yeah, I don't I don't think Tudor have ever made a, a limited edition as well. So they're obviously yeah, they're, yeah. they're playing by uh, Daddy's playbook or whatever. That's right. Okay, well before we dive into the main topic of the show, which I'm looking forward to, it's going to be watch pet peeves. Let's just pause for a very quick ad break. Well, welcome back, everyone the second part of uh, casual watch talk this is going to be a fun one i think it's watch pet peeves and i think i mean we occasionally refer to them on the podcast but i think this is going to be where we've really had to think about this so how do you want to play this guys do you want to do one each or do you want to go through i mean i've got five so do you want me to do you want to go do one each I've or do you want to go through all yeah. five? Oh, geez go around. i don't yeah uh, i don't know if i have that no i i'm a Maybe I'll just comment. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get I bet, you good and angry. Yeah, I bet I bet that you're five and you're five. There's some crossover there, so I'll just I'll comment as we go. Let's do oh, that. Oh, you could you could uh, <laughs> I'll I'll referee. You're gonna oh, you're gonna literally play Switzerland. Yes, yes. <laughs> you're gonna be the yes. middleman. 
Well, okay, but you we'll, can vote which one of us is the angriest. Right. right yes. Right. Yeah, uh, which is yes. Uh, it will be legitimate or not. Got it. Go. Well, maybe I'll do one and then TJ, you can do one and then we'll go back and forth. Right. My first one is no date on a watch. I like a date on a watch, even though for years, I, it doesn't make sense to me this because for years I wore a Speedmaster with no date on it. But now I can't live without the date on a watch. That's what irked me about that Black Bay 58. So There's no date. So you're, yeah. you have to have a date. I feel like I have to have a date on a watch now. Okay, we can go down this. Yeah, we can go down this rabbit hole. Because there's, there's ways to do it too. So my pet peeve with no date would be the design. So if you're going to screw up the watch's design by putting a date window with a, with the with the numbers at 45 degrees just some random some random spot on the dial then I'd rather not have a date but what do you think TJ Good point Chris I, I hate the uh like a large cutout with chrome edging and all that I I I'd like a nice subtle same color really you know at 6 o'clock, things the perfect place for a date but I actually didn't buy my Speedmaster for a long time because of no date. But I, I kind of grew to appreciate it because now I don't wear it all the time. But when I pick it up, I just set the time and go. And uh, I have a date automatic watch that when I pick it up to wear it, it, it it's a bit of a hassle to adjust it because I don't want it to have the wrong date because, you know, I'm obsessive. I think no date is really good for a watch that you wear from time to time. But it, yeah. it's terrible for day to day. Like I, I do need the date as well. What what about dive watches, Sam? Oh, I I, I love them with the. I mean, the the date with the chrome window. Give it whatever watch that is. I'm buying <laughs> no, it. No, <laughs> I oh, love geez. it. I, yeah, oh. I mean this uh, that Phoebus. I just reviewed a Phoebus, and they did a great job. Their dial is um, it, it's to mimic the sea, so it's blue in the center, and it sort of sunbursts out to to black and they've done the date window in black with a white thing and it just works in the design i love it I, I, the turtle that's got the day yeah, and date true, even day better with the turtle, even yeah. better i do like yeah. that yeah i again i'll say uh there was a there was one that you just maybe not that you reviewed but you were thinking of pulling in um oh that's right it was uh it was actually the uh, longines the three-hander that we were talking about uh the they have the 40 mil and the 42 mil and for whatever reason on one of them i think the smaller one or the bigger one i think the bigger one actually they like cut the date window into the number three they didn't just omit the three they just left like the b part of the three so it was like oh cool so it's got 12 b six and nine <laughs> it's like what so anytime it cuts into the design i agree but yeah, i don't know sam just you know there has to be some some watch love for for no date, I I think. Yeah, that's an unpopular opinion in the yeah. community. I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah. I know. I'm, a, I'm playing by my own rules. I'm a rebel. That's all right. <laughs> all right. So that's TJ, nice. that's that's my one. I I, I kicked it off the uh, the curb there and and perjured myself. I think. So. Well, mine are going to be a little odd sounding because based on the number of times I see these pet thieves, it clearly not a lot of people care about them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, especially designers. But um, so the first one, I don't even know where to start, but I think I'll start with the one I've already declared earlier somewhere on the Facebook group. But I hate when there's a large gap between the tip of the minute hand and the minute marker so that yeah. it doesn't really come quickly to the eye, which, which minute you're looking at. So between, you know, 
is it seven or eight? I don't know because it's about three inches between kind of thing. And I, I even, I think posted a photo where I highlighted an example and, I, and citizen and Seiko seem to do it quite a bit, but to me, either the, the point of the minute hand either just hits the mark or it overlaps and the overlap is, is even better because when you want to look down really fast and see exactly what time it is quickly, uh, I, I need that. Uh, otherwise it's, I just don't understand the gap. I don't know what you get out of that space. Um, so it just seems like it's too short. Yeah. And you're also talking about what, like watches, especially that have all of the, like have a bunch of little micro minute markers all the way around. You know, I've, right. I've seen it with, um, brands are notorious where, and I just mentioned one where they switch from like a 40 mil to a 42, but they keep the same hands. I've seen that. Like there was a, there was, I think there was like a spinnaker that did that. <laughs> they just like, Oh, we got, I'll just get these hands. So <laughs> It's okay if it's a dress watch or some kind of funky, modern-looking, artistic thing. But when it's trying to be a military or a chronograph yeah. or a pilot watch, then there's really no excuse for it. Yeah. It so that's that that one that will just kick the watch right out of the uh, the shopping cart for me. Yeah, it's a really good point. That it's a really good. Did you see that new Christopher Ward? They've just released a chronograph quartz chronograph. It looks really good, actually, like a racing inspired one. Anyway, oh no! Now I'm gonna have to go look. Yeah, it. yeah. It's it's quite nice, actually. Yeah, that that was a good one. That was a well yeah, thought valid. out that's good valid. one. Yeah, that's valid. So my right. my next one, where the numbers are cut off on the dial, where the dial has numbers, but either the chronograph subdials or there's a bright so i'm obsessed with this brightling b1 they're, they're subs the next one after was called airwolf which apart from it being named after an awesome tv show that's right yeah. <laughs> i don't think that's the inspiration 80s kids yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly um <laughs> it, the for some reason the six at the bottom they've cut it, it there's a it's an annie digi so the annie, the digi dial at the bottom cuts off the top of the six so essentially it's a circle with just a tiny little i, I just don't understand why they've done it. Uh, why i don't i just can't work out why they've done that why they wouldn't just leave it as as something else and but it, it's just bizarre to me, especially with chronograph where it's like a a three or the three has been cut off or the six has been cut off or the 12 I, just throws the dial off a little bit and i know el primero and some of the big brands do this but i don't know what do you guys think on that one I, for me on i had a i agree with you and i've seen watches where it cuts it off and like especially the sub dials when the sub dials try to start to like when when you've got you know like a like a you know buy compacts or you get you get the three you get like a value where it's you know you get the three sub dials and there's not going to be a lot of room for that anyway. I feel like it's just better to omit the number than try to like yes. put in like a sliver of it. But I have the um, Khaki King, the Hamilton Khaki King. And it's got the full day spelled out, day, date at the top, centered at the top. Makes it kind of like a T. And the fact that it cuts the 11 and the 1 off, like apparently that just boils people like they just can't do it but i've i love that watch i've never had a problem with it. i was like oh i didn't really notice that yeah you know so like so i guess it's i would say it's open to interpretation but more more than not especially on a chronograph like if if you're gonna cut off 70 percent of the number just 
Don't leave us with the little tail for the nine. <laughs> we should have done a disclaimer before starting this. We should have done like a parental advisory. You know where they say, don't watch this if you know, if you if worried about right. uh, extreme violence. We're like, don't right. listen to this podcast listen. if you are as obsessive right. as us. Because yes, exactly. <laughs> people are just throwing their watches in the bin now. Yeah, the, uh, the, the industry is going to tank. Yep, yep. The obsessive, consul- obsessive compulsive. Uh, if, you are, if, you're gonna, if you haven't noticed something on your watch uh, up until now, we're sorry. <laughs> I think some of the companies will send Hitman after us for discouraging sales. But we, we, we shall carry on. Yeah, so TJ, what do you think about the cutting off the numbers? Uh, I don't mind it so much. I guess uh, on yours, I was going to ask if it's a chrome polished shiny number or if it's a loomed number. Oh, he's got, wow, he's got categories. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> no, this I, I didn't buy this Airwolf one, but it just it, it, once you see it, you can't unsee. It. It's like I, I love. I've got a mini Clubman, and it's the old one. And the new one, apparently, on the back where it says Clubman, some people are really triggered by the fact that it, it's got because it's got van doors at the back. Basically, some people are triggered by the fact that it's got club and then man on the other side. So it's not like it's not balanced. And that's one of them things. Once you see it, you just can't. Right. You just yeah. can't unsee it. There's people that are just yeah. like, they're just taking dental floss to, to, to the back to take the numbers off. Or, yeah, or to get shifting them over. Yeah. <laughs> What's I'm, I'm okay with the numbers cut off. And then like Chris said, it dep- just, you know, if it's well executed and you can still tell what it is, but once you once your six turns into a zero, then it doesn't make <laughs> right. a lot of sense. Right, yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Well, that was uh, that was my one. TJ, you're up now. Okay. So mine is when. Um, so there's a theme here on legibility, but when minute marks are replaced uh, at six o'clock, probably usually about seven of them are cut out for for the made in. Uh, and I, I mentioned this one before. So the couple watch I saw where the made in Germany or made in America, whatever. Um, took out, uh, and it, this is one one of them. I'm thinking of. I had the the railroad track style minute marks, and so between after 26 and between that and 34, those are the last marks you see. And so if you're at 27, 31, you have no idea what you're looking at, uh, other than your brain interpreting the distance, right? But the, it should, but but if if minute marks are important, they're important, and if they're not, they're not. So if, uh, I just don't like replacing them at part part of the dial with words that you yeah. can easily put on the back or somewhere else. I, I don't really care where the watch is made on the dial. Just tell me on the back kind of thing or in the, in the instruction manual. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll ask when I buy it, but after that, I don't need to look at it every day. Declare so I think it. that's Declare a bad, yeah. yeah, I think that's a bad move when, when they, and, 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 and when you're making a watch with, it's supposed to be legible, like the one I'm referring to, I don't want to dime out the company because I have a lot of respect for what they're doing. But in, in this case, they were making a field watch, which it's all about legibility. And another one was a pilot watch micro brand that you talked about recently. So both of them are all about how legible it is. And the watches were incredibly legible, except for this range of seven minutes on the box. So that really got me. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's weird. And plus, if they were telling the truth, then it would be assembled in America, some parts from China, Swiss movement, and it would be right right around the entire outside of the watch. Right, exactly. Just say planet Earth, move Mm -hmm. on. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um... So my next one, and I hope I'm not stealing this from UTJ, but it's the Mecha Quartz one, which is the, I detest Mecha Quartz movements where there is no running second hand. And I mean the VK64 Seiko movement where it's got a 24 hour indicator. Like, let me tell you something. If it's dark outside, it's, <laughs> it's, it's PM. <laughs> if it's light, yeah. it's 
likely especially if you can't set it like if you can't set it like that only helps you Uh, to know when the date change is going to happen when you're Mm -hmm. setting it like that's the only time otherwise you're like you're not gonna you can't set it independently if you could it would be amazing it right so amazing right but you know sam i think i figured out uh, like one possible use of that function which is if if you were in the military and you were deployed to somewhere in you know let's say the far east and uh, but you are setting your watch to Zulu or Universal Time because you know the the f- flying schedule FAA everybody's on it. Then you might choose to set your watch that way, and then you'd want to know AM versus PM. But we typically just keep our watches local and do the math in your head for the conversion. So I don't know of anyone that's done that, but I I could see that's a possibility. But yeah, when when you have that dial, just give me the seconds. That's the VK sixty four versus sixty three. Um, uh, and especially if you're making a military theme watch, we, we need to know the seconds, you know, we, we do a lot of things within seconds, you know, tolerances, and I need to know the exact time right now. Not, not the minute I need to know the exact time. So yeah, it's not a lot to add. Just to give me that third dial. Yeah. It seems to be a, a darling of the micro brands. This as well, that a lot of micro brands started using this VK 64 movement. And I just, I hate looking at watching it still. Yeah, I think it. I think it also. It might just be for uh, battery consumption. I think. Yeah, they yeah, they possibly. might be able to. You know, because like you put in. You know, you have a watch that's still, and you put a battery in it. Like that's going to last. You know, six years, whatever, five six years. But as soon as you're doing running seconds, and even if you're doing a, like a two second, or you know, one a true one second tick, I've seen a lot of them that do a two every. You know, it'll tick two times a second, which isn't too bad. It like it looks decent. Uh, if you know if you're used to the mechanical sweep um but i think it's just a battery battery saving thing but then but then i um i bought a wall clock that has smooth seconds sweeping smooth seconds and it runs on a double a and it's like i don't know when it's gonna run out it's like i think it i think it'll go for like a year yeah (laughs) and it's like all the time going all the time like the battery is like i know it's a i know it's bigger but still like it's it's a giant wall clock and it's running all the time so you would think like all right guys like come on you can you can save some electricity here you can save some energy here so okay right now i'm wearing a watch quartz with a 5021 movement uh i think it's ronda and so it's bi-compact so it looks just like those meccas it does not have the sort of false mecca looking sweep or anything like that it's a straight up quartz but it, this one's I haven't changed the battery in four years, and it's uh, it gives me running seconds on the right and elapsed minutes in thirty minute counter on the left, so I can actually read it, uh, and it's perfect. So uh, I mean, I, wherever I can comment to say please use this movement instead of the Mecca, right? Uh, right. And, but and and a few folks are, and I'm glad because that that yeah. movement I think is a bread of choice. Yeah. So I hope I didn't pinch that off your list at a TJ. <laughs> No, no. Uh, in fact, I'm segueing nicely into my own next pet peeve, which is the illegible minute counter on a, on a chronograph. Um, because like I said, the one I have right here is a 30 minute one. So really easy to tell. And there's mm-hmm. a, a, a thick hash mark at 5, 15 and 25. Mm-hmm. So really, and I wear it when I run and I can super look down or, or under G force and boom, there it is. I know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And they don't make a lot of, uh, like the Lemania 5,100, you know, where you're, you've got the center minute and center seconds going around like a big minute hand. So, you know, I'm sort of accepting the fact that it's going to be a, a smaller register. Uh, but I've owned a few, I had a Seiko chronograph at one point where it was a 60 minute counter around on the sub dial. And I just couldn't tell what it, where it was at. 
I couldn't tell between seven or eight. And at, at that point, then if I'm a minute off, why am I timing things? Um, so, you know, and sometimes it's too small. And I feel like that value layout, that, that 30 minute is just right. Like any smaller and I can't, I wouldn't be able to see it either. I totally. Yeah. And, uh, and then sometimes I actually saw a few where it actually doesn't have a mark for each minute. So you, you've got, uh, just, just every five. So look down at which one of those is the counter for the minutes because none of those are, have the, well, I'm, whatever I'm two thirds away from the five. Right. Like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> and are, yeah. Is that what, you know, so that's one of those sort of, we're trying to look like a chrono, but don't even try to use it as such unless you're measuring something in increments of five or you, you trust your eye to discern two versus three. I don't know, but, um, just, you know, all, my three top three pet peeves are all about being able to quickly read it. And if, if you're making a gold fashion watch, go for it. But if you're making something with the word pilot or military and, and you violate these three pet peeves, then you're <laughs> right. really not trying right, to make yeah. something usable and then just, just stop. You know, I guess it's, uh, I, I don't understand if you, if, if you want to design it, the, there are pretty common principles to follow to make it work. But I always sort of question, you know, the, the design team, what were they thinking? when they're making a choice that makes the watch really hard to read uh, for aesthetics. I've got, I've got a question for you, TJ. What about the opposite? So, so aviation pilots, I mean, I watch a bunch of, you know, pilot YouTube stuff and like everyone has got the Breitling. Everyone's got the Breitling Navitimer. What about the, like the Navitimer, those style watches that are like, they've got the slide rule. They've got like, you know, conversion for pounds and inches and just weight and plane and speed and all i mean does it get is it is there a point where it's like this is just too much yeah the point is when it has that feature on it (laughs) 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 because well i'll tell you so um we don't use that stuff you know even even if they made a larger one so flight school is all about learning to do those calculations in your head and 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 do them quickly and so you wouldn't be able in a military cut that maneuvers, you really wouldn't be able to look down and, and fumble around with a bezel like that anyway. So, and I, I owned a watch that had that bezel on it, but never used it once. So it was just in the way. Um, so I have never seen, I've seen Navitimers among some of my, my fellow aviators, but only in, in a dress shirt, you know, going out. I've never seen them flying wise. The most common watches you'll see are plain old digital watches, you know, Casio G-Shock kind of thing. You'll see analog digital is, was kind of my favorite. I had an old Citizen Navahawk analog digital. It did have that, that slide rule bezel, but it also had tons of other stuff, which I used. Um, you know, you'll see that. And now, now the newest kind of trend is like a multifunction GPS Sunto or Garmin. Um, and, and, and I had a, uh, physiological episode of a, a rapid decompression. And when I remember telling one of my flight surgeons about it, he said, Oh, were you wearing a Garmin? And I guess it, he wanted to know if I guess, oh, you know, like you can get the data. The, yeah. Get, get the data off the, oh, and, and that's, and that's why a lot of folks like get the pressure, those, so. the pressure data and everything. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, your internal cabin altitude, uh, I actually did, did a few hours in the pre- hyperbaric chamber because of that one. Uh, but I'm okay. So I'm a survivor. So I'll <laughs> All right. um, I got the bends yeah, but, and I lived, but, uh, you know, and, and aircraft have become a lot more, um, you know, the, more reliable as far as their avionics and you know, with GPS integration. So I've seen quite a leap forward even since my first day. So the, you know, the, the onus on what you bring in the cockpit on your wrist is, you know, it's diminished. Uh, you can get by with just about anything. So I, I know a lot of folks will, 
go go uh, with something mechanical and and simple, just out of a sense of tradition. Um, so you know, like the Bremont um, watches, they'll do a squadron purchase with uh, their squadron logo on it, things like that. Uh, so you'll see that a lot. And really, as long as it's uh, very legible, glows in the dark really nicely, and and you can read the time, you're okay. You know, and and so I kind of went back to that myself a long time ago, and just kind of went with simple analog. Okay, yeah. well, simple analog. All right, cool. Yeah, but that's just me. No, I think that's a good one. Uh, yeah, because I heard about them Garmin's. I thought it was something to do with. Can they sense G-force as well because of the accelerometers in them, and they have like an alarm or? Did you remember that story, Chris? Maybe I'll have to look it up. It where it, there's like an it, it, well, an alarm would go off if it sensed. Maybe it's something to do with blood pressure or anyway. Well, it, uh, cockpit pressure, so cabin altitude, right? So if your you know, your aircraft maintains a certain uh, atmospheric pressure inside the cockpit that's not sea level, but less than what it would be outside. And that's, you know, air coming through the engine bleed air system. And, um, you know, if there's a malfunction there, it may be hard to perceive. Yeah. So uh, it just stays so, at like 14, like whatever, 14 PSI, whatever, whatever sea level, but uh, you said a little less than sea level. Well, and then, it tracks up, it, it matches, uh, the ambient pressure. Most aircraft today will match ambient pressure up to a certain altitude and then they'll, they'll park at that particular level. Oh, okay. And then they'll, they'll keep that for quite a while until it's really hard to do. And then at, at those higher altitudes, then they'll, it'll start to increase again. So there there's, you know, every aircraft has its own curve for how you do that. So you're, um, you're always, if you have so the idea is you can get uh you know uh, an altimeter works with the outside air pressure but if you're in a pressurized cabin you then cannot get what your altitude is because you're inside a pressurized cabin in a you know in a tube in the sky and well so you then, can get it we have that we have a cabin pressure we have a cabin pressure gauge that tells oh, okay. you what the equivalent pressure is inside the, equivalent the aircraft is. okay okay but, um, but this is in your aircraft not on your watch Correct. And then and I guess the Garmin is essentially uh, high fidelity tracking, you know, data collection of that so that no one, um, you know, that, that your gauge in the cockpit would just match what it is. It's analog. So once once you land, no one can look at it and figure out what happened. But if, if you give the flight surgeon your watch, you can your tell watch, you Right. Exactly. Because so then your watch might like all of a sudden see like a huge spike in the pressure or a huge spike in the altitude that it was reporting. And that's not necessarily that you change your altitude it's that the, the pressure inside the cabin changed exactly yeah if you had yeah, like a, a, a rubber yeah. seal give out or something yeah, like that yeah got it okay my next one then is gmt bezels where they really behave like dive bezels where they're ratcheted or i mean this could be i mean chris you you on the last podcast we talked about watches that with tachometers that also have the red color. and blue on them yeah, yeah the color choice the color choice of it and also right the fact that it right it's bi-directional versus unidirectional yeah yeah so i, I notice a lot of pe- people do this with gmt bezels then they ratchet them whereas obviously it's more functional if you could go back and forth because you have to just keep twizzing it around and hope that you don't miss the um miss the one that you're after yeah i feel like it's a big miss when you get over like a 300 dollars price point when you get into like anything over like $300 price point mechanical and they're selling it as a GMT and it doesn't go backwards, you're just like, yeah, so we're minus five. So I just want to go <laughs> just, and I got to go around, I guess. So, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, we mentioned that one uh, where the brand was, you know, the Kickstarter was trying to make everybody happy and they were offering, yeah, that that Pepsi, you know, 
what would be uh, nighttime, daytime on a GMT with that color choice in like a tachymeter. Other than the color choice, it doesn't make much sense. Um, and I will chime in here with a side one on this. It definitely, all right, so this is Chris's first pet peeve. Here we go. Do not put a 24-hour bezel on a watch that doesn't have a GMT hand, that doesn't have a Well played, hand. well played. I love I it. I just can't do it. I see the Seiko monitors doing it, and I just, ah, kick it. Yeah, that one. Poof, that one. That's, that's tough for me. So that's my, that's my intro into that one. That was a very worthy entrance into this category. I love it. <laughs> so that was my one. Um, okay, TJ, you're up in, unless you have any thoughts on the uh, bi-directional GMT. Well, I guess the, the only way I could see, uh, I think Chris made a point of the price, right, is if, if it's a micro brand that's trying to offer like a customize your watch kind of a deal and they're, they're making a diver's watch, but you might get it with this, then I, I guess I can understand where they wouldn't go for the extra cost of giving you a different style bezel. Uh, so it's forgivable, I think, in that lower price point. But yeah, otherwise, it's it's no bueno. Um, so mine is going to be uh, sort of proprietary lugs so that you can't just swap out and put a NATO oh, on it a kind good of one. thing when they've yeah. got those weird center thingies. And and it's just like, this is the only bracelet you're going to put on this because no, nothing else will ever work. This yeah, is unique. We're, uh, we're looking at you, Oris. Yeah, that's yeah, a I've really good them. one. Citizen's done it now and then, and uh, a few others, and and that's another instant out for me because I like to custom. You know, we all do. We like drive different straps or whatever. So, if you're telling me that's the only choice, no. or it's so close, or or the 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 spring bar is so close to the the case that you can't get a NATO or really any other strap in because it's got yeah, there's no t- the metal because the metal end piece is almost flush to it, and the spring bar's in there. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I've made a few comments. There was a Boulder watch that was like that. That um... I feel like that's worse than an odd size lug. Like you know, yes. I've got the nineteen. I've got a twenty-one. I've had you know a couple. You know, okay, you go on Amazon. They make straps that are nineteen. They make straps that are twenty-one. You'll find them. It's fine. It happens. <laughs> but like, but like that custom notch. Or the or the special metal clasp that has to be on there in order to connect it. Yeah, that's yep, that's a no go for me too. That's a really good yeah, and of course the swatch as well, or that some of the G shocks where you have to buy the adapters for them. I know I bought adapters for my G shocks. Right. Well, my final one. This is probably going to be controversial, and this is a uh, right. shots fired, as the kids would say. But I some of my most popular videos and this took me by surprise was when i reviewed an invicta pro diver now i w- still maintain that that invicta pro diver is probably one of the best mechanical watches that you can get for under 80 dollars. Yeah, sometimes you get some yep. bargain yep. but a co- i had one today actually but more frequently than you would think is invicta owners who i presume have the larger watches have to make some comment around masculinity for being able to wear one of these big invicta watches and i'm like look i've got news for you you want to you want to be a, a, a man or a gentleman be nice to people don't be an asshole these are better indications than basically what watch you're wearing it's almost like oh well you wouldn't be able to pull one of these larger watches off and you're like dude like come on like <laughs> so that's my i think i mentioned this when the when the new when the smaller what's it the u50 came out for zen the smaller dive watch so there's the u1 and then the u50 i think it's the 50 right 
Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Oh, you won. Um, yeah, yeah, the small, maybe the smaller version. And yeah, there was a little bit of there's a little bit of knock on the forums where people were like, "Well, now they make it in a smaller size for you." You know, like, "Oh, you can't handle the regular U one." <laughs> you know, I was like, "Come on, guys, you're killing me." <laughs> yeah, and I always remember what you said, TJ, about the um, uh, it would be it would be more dangerous to have a really large watch in a cockpit in case you you had to eject or something, and you might, you know, you don't want to get your watch caught on the way. The yeah. way out. That's right. Yeah, I remember because uh, I was watch shopping in one of my first squadrons, and and someone gave me that warning story. And I, my first aircraft was one where a f- crew of four, two in the front, two in the back, four ejection seats, and the canopy had a Oof. a railing down the middle, at, connecting the two pieces of glass. So basically, two separate canopies: one for the front crew, one for the back. And uh, you know, unless you ejected the canopy first or, or blew it, you would basically just punch through the glass. So if, if you were sitting on, on either side of the aircraft, you were brushing by a, lar- a very thick metal rail on your way out, the, the center piece At of the glass. super speed. Uh, yeah. You know, with, with a huge rocket. And, uh, and one guy did, in fact, catch his watch and, and tear off, you know, part of his hand in the process. Whoa. So that was always the cautionary tale of, um, you know, folks telling me, like, well, be careful what on. you get, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So big heavy one watch. of those. As a as a young guy, you're like, what, you know? And then it turns, you know, it turns out a lot of those were true. Those stories, you know, like you take, like you always say, like, oh, two G's, three G's. Well, you like, you're like, yeah, that's your body weight times two times three times four. So you're like, you just take whatever's on your wrist. You're like, okay, that, yeah. that now weighs eight pounds. So I mean, like, where's your arm gonna go now? Yeah, and and you know, trying to actuate a switch or something. In, in the backseat of the prowler, a lot of the switches were in were just right in front of you. You'd have to reach up, and uh, and and doing that under whatever m- amount of G's actually is challenging, especially <laughs> yeah. if it's a fine motor skill. And uh, and so you just like you know, and so yeah, I could just use your non-watch hand, I guess. You know, <laughs> manly enough to have this giant watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My Spider-Man Invicta forty-eight millimeter version. Right. right. Oh, I will awesome. click the button. <laughs> So that was my final one, TJ. What's your final one to see us home here? So this one's, uh, I don't know, this one may sound a little crazy, but um, so I'm a 20 millimeter lug guy. I think it's great. And I know that some watches need 22 and I know some watches need 18 or 19, right? So I buy that. But I guess what I'm upset is when you when the, a watch comes out that seems perfectly sized for 20, but they make it 22 for some random reason. So I saw one. It was a, a Hamilton Quartz chronograph pilot watch, beautiful. And when you look at the lugs, it, it's almost like they cut metal out of one of them to make it a 22. And if they just kept it symmetric and just followed the typical proportions, then it would be 20. Uh, then, then you see some that go the other way that are 20 that clearly shouldn't be like the Bulova Moon Watch, which is just quite large, but they're still trying to make it a 20. And that's not going to help anybody either. So it's just, I guess, I don't know if the pet peeve is stay proportional or just make watches that fit me better and make them all 20s. I don't know. Um, 20 millimeter you know, NATO forever. <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, that was a close competitor pet peeve with the, with the 19 or 21 millimeter lugs. I actually do find those challenging, but I get it. You know, I, I have a watch that's 19 and I just put a 20 on it, just a little pinch. It's not, it's really not a big deal. And right yeah, now on the internet, you can find anything. So I think that one sort of faded as a, as a legitimate pet peeve, but, but the ones that are just seem imbalanced and especially when the watch seems so perfect for, for someone that loves twenties, um, 
Yeah, I, I reviewed that watch actually, that Hamilton one, and I made the same. Uh, I had I bought that quartz watch. I made the same thing because it was like you say, it was almost it, it was out of proportion. They were like, "Oh, we are definitely doing a twenty-two millimeter strap on this," and then they just kind of like cut it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. and it's only a forty it was only like a forty mil watch, right? Forty-one, 40, I think. 40, 41? Forty-one. Yeah, so yeah. it's perfectly Speedmaster size. Yeah, would have been great with twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would buy it that right now if it was twenty. Yeah, if, if you right, yeah, if you if you peak forty-four, so if you're up in a turtle land, you know Seiko, Seiko, you know twenty-two. Okay, fine, but like, yeah, forty forty-one. That's got to be twenty mil. I agree. That's a great one. Valid. So, Chris, that you've heard our both our top five pet peeves each. Now, which one of us is going crazy, or which one oh, do you I think is yeah. the best? I think a little bit, definitely a little, both well, a little bit of crazy, a little bit of obsessive. Yeah, definitely some. Some that's it's a tough one. It's a tough one because, yeah, Sam with the with the date. I don't. I don't know. I oh, the markers and yeah, yeah. I think um, I think on practicality. I think on practicality, I think uh, TJ is going to take it with the the indices lining up, the numbers and the markers, the minute seconds markers lining up. I think that's I think that's the most valid. Oh, the minute out hand. there. Yeah, I think that's the most valid one. But second would definitely be I. You know, I definitely chimed in with the uh, with the GMT stuff for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I think. TJ was definitely uh, hitting us with the practical application of such. He should, uh, you should get uh, some some cash from, uh, you know, for uh, like uh, a design consultancy, right? Consultancy yeah. on on watch company consultancy. Oh, so you'd like to make a military watch, huh? Well, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> they don't seem to be asking a lot of us these questions. <laughs> you, right? you might want to know what it's like to be pulling five Gs and have to yeah. hit a switch, you know, and possibly have yeah. to eject. <laughs> I would gladly like, give my opinions. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We asked 20 naval I- aviators and then ignored yep. them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I uh, definitely, uh, TJ, I definitely appreciate you coming on because that, for me, that sort of real world, I mean, like, I love the tool watch aesthetic and that real world, like, this is what it, like, has to be in order to function as a tool. Definitely, I, yeah, I got to give that to you. I definitely appreciate your your insight there. Yeah, well, your collection reflects that really nicely. The, those Bell and Rosses and Zins, I mean, they 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 understand. Um, those are beautiful and, and and aesthetically beautiful and functionally amazing. So yeah, so you've Thank chosen you. well. Well, guys, you'll have to let us know. Head on over to the Casual Watch Talk Facebook group where you'll find all three of us quite active on there. And thanks to everyone that's joined this week as well. Big shout out to you all. Um, as always, we appreciate you listening. TJ, thanks for joining us again. Oh, my pleasure, absolutely. I was, really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thanks. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk.